0: The end of the world. This is your community spirit, a show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring it back to circle again: the circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy, and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of mother. This is your community spirit coming at you live and somewhat local. Hey, I'm your community radio. Uh, I'm local. My name is Tree Song. And I believe we have a local to his own locality guest with us today. So are you out there, Orr? Oh, I bet you can't hear me, can you? Here we go. Can you hear me now, Or? We can hear you. <laughs> or, can you hear us out there in... Out there in telephone land. All right, let's go ahead and make one more try to get O.R. on the air. In the meantime, we'll get you back with a little bit of music. you turn up, so can you hear us now? I can. Okay. All right now we're we'll get you on the air now. All right, I think we've got Or with us now. Can you hear us now, Or?
1: Good day, this is Or. Good day. (laughs) Uh, I am I was actually working while I was waiting for you trying to get this the monitor working.
0: All right, well, I'm glad we were able to get you on the air. Okay. So what are you off doing today?
1: I Well, yesterday I came up to West St. Louis to repair this data monitoring on a school that got hit by lightning. Mm-hmm. Then it started raining, so I couldn't really test the data monitoring.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So I waited till this morning... And now I I hooked it all up yesterday, and now I'm just testing everything. Hmm. So you could actually see on the Internet what the system's working.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fun how you can track on the Internet what a solar system is doing.
1: Yeah. So.
0: The well, power of solar.
1: <laughs> this is power. The power of technology.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so. Well, I mean, technology... Has been doing wonderful things, but at the same time, it's you know causing big problems too. Yeah, there has to be a balance.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so should we start with some of this news?
1: I don't know. It's kind of depressing. Like, sh- should we just skip all the the dire problems and just decide that everything is kind of <laughs>
0: Well, that could be a little bit of denial. Yep. I think I kind of like doing a little bit of the problems and a little bit of the solutions.
1: There we go. So, th- the solution is use less energy, drive less, and simplify.
0: Yeah. About- Reduce, reuse, recycle. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: 2012, in case you didn't know what... The eighth or ninth one this year on record. You think it'd be number one? How extreme it was.
0: Yeah, it's pretty extreme here. I wonder, you know, maybe someplace it wasn't as bad, so it balanced out. But still, eighth, eighth or ninth on record. We have got a lot of record-breaking and record-tying years lately.
1: Well, I mean, like right now, you know, in the Midwest, we're having this phenomenal weather, right? Yeah. But. West of the Mississippi, they're in a record drought. So we're getting all the rain over here, and they're getting none over there.
0: Yeah, sometimes we're getting too much rain, you know. I I get comfortable here, and I think, oh, you know, this is such a nice, comfortable summer, and I forget that the western half of the continent is frying.
1: Now, in 2012, not every variable broke a record, (laughs) but the majority of them did. Yeah. If you would like to see the heat map which shows all the 2012 temperatures compared to the average baseline from 1981 to 2010 or the melting ice graph um, we can email it.
0: Yeah. If you email us at info at org, we can send that your way. One of these record breakers that catches my eye here is the fact that 2012 saw the highest global sea levels ever recorded I mean that's the peak of a trend that's seen seas rising just above a tenth of an inch per year over the last two decades so it keeps getting higher each year
1: Uh, I do I do have a question how much of this cool weather has to do with the fact that the melting ice you know I mean you think that would really affect the temperature of the world. If you have the ice melt higher than normal. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it keeps getting warmer, so I know it must, if it, it, if it is having that effect, it's not having much.
1: Huh. Yeah. So, this is a pretty detailed number. Sadly, all these shocking numbers were, weren't much of a shock because the reports. 384 authors from around the world says the NOAA's. No, what was NOAA? It's the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration annual state of the climate report, which was released last Tuesday. Mm -hmm.
0: So, um, yeah, another one of those shocking numbers is the 9.7 quadrillion grams of carbon released into the atmosphere in 2012.
1: So we're
0: still still spewing it out. Yeah. We must want to live in a greenhouse. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess it's kind of nice living in a greenhouse, so it's not, you know, negative 270-some degrees on Earth, but, you know, maybe a little bit cooler than what we're turning it up to. All right, let's see what other news we've got. Yeah, this, this is news that has some influence locally, too. Uh, well, actually, I don't see it mentioning it here directly in the story, but this news is Keystone XL pipeline alternative you've never heard of is probably going to be built. Last week, the controversial Keystone XL pipeline, which would transport oil from the Alberta tar sands to the Gulf of Mexico, hit another snag. The State Department's Office of the Inspector General said it is investigating a possible conflict of interest issue in the project's environmental impact study. <laughs> Yeah, so this, this, I couldn't believe this story. Well, I could believe it, but I was, I was shocked. I was dismayed. It's, uh, the. The
1: General is literally probing whether the company that produced the environmental impact statement, environmental resource management, failed to disclose its past working relationship with TransCanada, the company building the pipeline. Yeah. So.
0: This really so. is sort of a story of the fox guiding the hen house, you know. I'll have my buddy here do a review to see if everything I'm doing is complying with environmental standards.
1: <laughs> now, now, why is this such a big deal, I mean, the, these pipelines?
0: Yeah, well, these pipelines, there's a lot of issues. One is that it may accelerate the removal of these tar sands and the burning of the fuel, thus accelerating climate change. And it's also a lot of potential, one of the things people in the U.S. are worried about is the potential for spills. You know, if you're pumping tar sands across thousands of miles of pipeline, even if you've done your best, which they don't always do, but even if you've done your best to make these pipelines safe and secure, that's thousands of miles of pipeline. At some point, something may go wrong, and you've got tar sands suddenly erupting in your neighborhood.
1: I mean, this is like the worst polluting oil that is out there. I mean, it's very carbon-intensive, and so...
0: Yeah, we mentioned a few stories in past weeks. Uh, it's it's more carbon intensive. When it spills, it's harder to clean up. It's I mean really, it's sort of the bottom of the barrel in terms of the oil they're scraping out of the planet. And so, the the concern here is that if uh, they if they don't do it through Keystone XL, then they may have other alternatives for transporting these tar sands. One of TransCanada's rivals, Enbridge, Incorporated, has quietly been moving ahead with a slightly smaller pipeline project that could be piping 660,000 barrels of crude per day to the Gulf by 2015. Now, the the Keystone line would be about 700,000 barrels, so it's still almost as big. Yeah. Well, that's one of the challenges, I guess, in being an environmentalist, if you... If you stop this one project that someone's trying to push through, they may just try to go for another. So whichever one goes through, we'll definitely keep an eye on it and keep reporting on whether or not it's going through and what the effects will be. We've got our eyes on this story.
1: Climate change is actually bridging marine life towards the pole that's the study. Rising ocean temperatures are rearranging the biological makeup of our oceans, pushing species towards the poles by 4.4 miles per year as they chase the climates they can survive in according to the new research. Now, this study, conducted by a working group of scientists from 17 different institutions, gathered data from seven different countries and found the warming oceans are causing marine species to alter their breeding, feeding, and migration patterns. Now, surprisingly, land species are shifting at a rate of less than 0.6 miles per year in comparison, even though land surface temperatures are rising at a much faster rate than those in the ocean. And do you think the, the fact that land species are shifting slower is the fact that they just have a harder time moving habitat?
0: yeah there's a lot of theories as to to why it may be, and it 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 does take longer probably for land species to migrate because they've got to walk instead of swim. <laughs> I mean that's a little bit of an oversimplification, but uh yeah, so we may have i right, sort of worry some of this marine life might get lost and start instead of going to the North Atlantic they might make a left turn and uh get stuck going up the Mississippi. <laughs> They'll have to make it through the dead zone in the Gulf, though, so maybe that'll turn them back. That is one of the signs of climate change, though, that once species start changing their migration patterns, that you, you'll see it often first with the animals because they have, you know, fins and feet that they can move with. All right. Now... Oh, yeah, go ahead.
1: There's a lot of controversial types of waking making energy nowadays. Um but we're trying to get away from the polluting one. Here's another example. You want to read this one?
0: Okay, yeah, this one about the refinery. This is sort of, you know, sort of some bad news, but they're trying to do good things about it. A year after a refinery explosion, Richmond, California is fighting back. After the refinery exploded again last year, that's one of those phrases you shouldn't have to hear, after the refinery exploded again <laughs> last year, Julia Robinson set about tearing out the gardens. Six months of organic planting were lost in one large plume of toxic smoke bellowing from the Chevron refinery in Richmond, California, one year ago this week. that sent upwards of fifteen thousand people to local hospitals complaining of respiratory distress. Quote, they didn't pay for anything they didn't that they did to our gardens, nothing, she said. And we lost so much. Robinson is the executive director of Urban Till a Richmond nonprofit dedicated to cultivating organic urban agriculture in western Contra Costa County, on the east side of San Francisco Bay. This incident last August was the third large Chevron fire that Robinson, a third-generation Richmond resident, had experienced in her life. Quote, I could see the flame from the front porch over ten blocks away, she said. It was absolutely devastating. But it made us actually open our eyes even further to the need to stand up as Richmond residents on the front line to Chevron. We need to be standing up in creative ways to stop this madness, not just locally, but internationally. And they're doing that over in the Bay Area. Over the weekend, Bay Area residents marked the one-year anniversary with a march and rally of about 2,500 people to the gates at the Chevron Refinery. Yeah, this was part of the summer heat campaign. And I mean, really, I know I don't watch much of the mainstream news, the corporate news but I'm surprised I'm not hearing more about this because there were people 2,500 people marching and uh, a lot of people getting arrested too, 200 plus arrests for trespassing at Chevron's gates and doing a civil disobedience there.
1: I mean they're one of California's top polluters and so Chevron is planning to upgrade its facility to Crude more to refine more crude forms of oil, including tar sand. So
0: So they're getting more crude, they're going backwards.
1: (laughs) So local media did talk about the weekend protest as another sign of the growing climate justice movement in this country. But this city has been fighting the refinery for a very long time. In this economically depressed community of color, the threat of another plume of toxic smoke. It's far more immediate. I mean, they're talking about that this has happened already three times. Or the the incident last August was the third large Chevron fire that Robinson, a third-generation Richmond resident, has experienced in her life. Yeah. That, I'd be moving away. If, I could, if, you, if you can't afford it, you can afford it, right?
0: Yeah. Some people can't afford to move away, and some people are too stubborn, you know. Especially third generation, she's probably got a lot of family ties, a lot of history there, and doesn't want to move away. And sh- right. once we'll a,
1: <laughs> a fun, inspiring story. Yeah. Teen year old debates GMOs with condescending TV hosts. Rachel Perrin is 14 and has the crazy idea that GMOs should be labeled in food. What's next? Attacking those sweet carcinogens in our makeup? Now, the young activist has been making public speeches about GMOs since age 12. Now, uh, Rachel Parent challenged Canadian TV personality Kevin O'Leary to a debate about GMOs after he said, quote, stupid people protest about Monsanto. Parent said, have me on your show next week, and if you promise not to use the word stupid, I won't use the word fascist." Zing. He took her up on it on July 31st, and if you'd like to see the interview, we can send you the link of it online. Um, Gems including O'Leary, absent, patronizing. You know what a lobbyist is, right? Accusing her of being a chill for a devious, mustache-twirling environmentalist and tell her she'll change her mind when she gets older.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I got to feel like they were There were two people in that conversation. Only one adult, and the adult was Rachel Parent.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it says, Parent, who was the kid, (laughs) in contrast, came across as articulate and respectful. I mean, she actually said at one point, quote, I'm not anti-science. I'm for responsible science and ethical progress, end quote. Man, those teens and their radical ideas. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to keep an eye on them. <laughs> Maybe she should be the one with the TV show. <laughs> All right, here's some interesting science news. Speaking of science, uh, electric roads could make plugging in your EV a thing of the past. One major barrier to bringing electric vehicles to the masses is range anxiety. Not the fear that you left the, the stove on at home. That's a different kind of range. The fear that your EV will run out of juice before you can get the next charging station. Now, they've actually come a long way with the batteries, and it's actually a lot easier to go a lot farther now, but there's still this fear there. But one way of dealing with it is uh, to electrify the roads. <laughs> this week, South Korea debuted the world's first electric road.
1: Hey, wait a second. <laughs> South Korea's ahead of us? <laughs>
0: well, maybe. It sounds like they have technology we don't, so, uh, I mean, there's that. They did, as a test program, they did 50 miles of city streets with underground cables that charge the EVs, that are parked or driving above, with no plug-in stations necessary. This is pretty high-tech stuff. This is hypertech. Uh, you just drive the bus along on the part of the street that has the charging, and it creates a field, magnetic field above it that charges the bus. Now, I mean, exact details of the system are, are not fully released. As some of it's probably being kept under wraps, but the buses work. But they basically have uh, cables 12 inches under the ground, And they have a shaped magnetic field in resonance, which is a technology developed by the Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology. So you get to run 100 kilowatts of power through some cables at a specific frequency, and then you create a 20 kilohertz electromagnetic field. So it's pretty exciting stuff. You just drive the bus above it, and the bus battery gets charged. You don't have to plug it in.
1: There you go. Now, if they could just put a little solar on the roof, you'd be getting it from both sides. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, you would. just So there's a lot of innovative solutions out there, lots of ways to get our energy other than burning fossil fuels.
1: Did you know that it's National Farmers Market Week?
0: That's exciting.
1: Um, our local farmers market, the Carbondale Community Farmers Market on the east side of town, they're celebrating by having a sweet corn eating contest at 10, and a pie contest, bake a pie and bring it there um, at noon, tomorrow. Yeah. Well, um, I, I was almost thinking of staying in St. Louis and going to see a play, but I think I want to see that corn-eating contest. <laughs> <laughs> that should be something.
0: Let's see, some other holidays uh, and observances. Well, we've got the... Uh, an observance happening today is uh, Nagasaki Day. Uh, they also just had Hiroshima Day recently, observing the dropping of the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki that the U.S. did back during the end of World War II.
1: In Japan, they are, are celebrating or observing moment of silence. Yeah. So.
0: It's important to remember these days and to f- remember, you know, that atomic bomb was dropped on two cities, and that's that's a danger of something that can happen, and that we should learn not to do that anymore.
1: Today is the UN International Day of the World's Indigenous People.
0: Oh. All right, so Saturday is the anniversary of the Smithsonian Institute. Uh, coming up on Sunday, we have English All Day Day. Uh, some other interesting ones. Monday is International Youth Day, U.N. International Youth Day, and vinyl record day. So I bet somebody right here on WDBX, 91.1 FM, somebody's going to be playing vinyl on Monday.
1: Tuesday is National Garage Ball Day. Wednesday is Navajo Nation, Navajo Code Talkers Day, and VJ Day.
0: All right. And Thursday, after all these busy things going on, Thursday is National Relaxation Day. It's also the anniversary of Woodstock. I wonder if those are related.
1: <laughs> so if you want to relax, tonight at the Guy House Interface Center, it's their open mic. It's a time for a night of poetry and spoken word. Isn't tonight comedy night? Uh, all right. I, I think, was not
0: night? I, I get my nights mixed up sometimes. I think this one is... Is Poetry Night. Poetry or comedy, either way, it'll be a good time.
1: Right. Well, anyway, it's it's an open mic, and you can do whatever you want, perform music solo, bring your band. It's a nice place to get a little rehearsal time. Um, Die house provides a four-channel PA and a guitar cord. Come and have some fun, all ages, kid-friendly, the whole bit.
0: Yeah, we've been getting a good mix of music again lately over there, so a good time for one and all. And it, we've got the Friday Night Fair returning, the Carbonale Community Friday Night Fair. Uh, that's back up again in August. And uh, this week's music is going to be provided by Mr. Swamp Fox. They've got music, they've got food court, farmer's market, arts and crafts, lots of goodies on the Town Square Pavilion from 6 to 9 p.m. tonight.
1: And I mentioned the farmer's market on the west side of town. The Farmer's Market is 8 till noon. On the east side of town, the Carbondale Community Farmer's Market is at Carbondale Community High School. And they actually have a whole bunch of things scheduled. Let's see. All markets get long purple pea hulling demonstration. 10 a.m. food preservation, food saving demonstration. 10.30, sweet corn eating contest.
0: Mm.
1: There is prizes noon, pie baking contest, bring your best homemade pies. Prizes are offered. And then at 1230, zucchini eggplant decorating contest. Again, prizes are offered. And this is at the Carbondale Community High School on the east side of town.
0: Yeah. Sounds like a really good time. All right. Well, we'll have we more, made it. We made it, yeah. We'll have more information next week about the start of uh, the semester over at SIU, there's going to be events going on for that. But in the meantime, you can enjoy the Farmer's Market and Friday Night Fair and all the wonderful things going on here in Southern Illinois. It's actually pretty good weather out there. So, yeah, I guess we will uh, hope that you enjoy the weather out there, and we will see you here next week on the radio. All right.